families with kids in elementary school through high school can expect to spend an average of $890 this year on back-to-school items. Jackie, that's a new record from the National Retail Federation. It's $25 higher than it was last year. All in, Americans expected to spend an unprecedented $41.5 billion this year. More Americans are turning to loans to help pay for everyday expenses. But a new survey from the Federal Reserve shows more loan applications are being rejected by major financial institutions. Auto loan requests and credit card limit increase requests, they're also at record highs, Hmm. highlighting some of the financial pressure that Americans are facing right now. I don't want to compare difficulties, but we have a little sense, Jill and I, what it's like to lose a home. Years ago, now 15 years ago, I was in Washington doing Meet the Press. It was a sunny Sunday, and lightning struck at home on a little lake that's outside of our home, not a lake, a big pond, and hit a wire and came up underneath our home into the heating ducts, the air conditioning duct. To make a long story short, I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, (laughs) and my cat. But all kidding aside, I watched the firefighters, the way they responded. You know, there's an old expression. I grew up right across the street from a fire hall in Claymont, Delaware. And the expression is, God made man, then he made a few firefighters. Because the fact of the matter is there's a beast at our door, and that's the beast of climate change. It seems like the whole world is on fire. We need to defend ourselves from climate change. We need to to decarbonize our economy so these fires don't ravage us. There's not enough fire trucks in the world to protect us if we don't stop climate change. Let us be honest as Republicans. I'm the only person on the stage who isn't bought and paid for, so I can say this. The climate change agenda is a hoax. The climate change agenda is a hoax. And we have to declare independence for it. And the reality is, the anti-carbon agenda is the wet blanket on our economy. Welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 145. Here on Thursday, August 24th, in the depths of the dog days of summer. And I'm your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm Mike McKenna. Michael McKenna, what's going on in your world, my friend? How's it going? How's your week? It's been... Other than having to work. It's been good. It's been busy. I don't understand why it's busy during recess. I think that's the new normal, my friend. I don't think there's a recess anymore. You know, God, it seems that way. It's ridiculous. People go home. Don't come to Washington, please. <laughs> How are the tourists today? I, I haven't had a chance to explore downtown in a while. It's, so Yeah, well, you know, it's about the same. The tourists, you're not, you're, the tourists are not the problem. It's the it's the people who are like, I'm going to work and get ahead and blah, 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 and be an important man. Yeah. Those are the people who need to. Well, we uh, we're back to school. Most most everyone is now back to school at this point, maybe another week or so for the rest of the country. And they're paying a lot more for them school supplies. It just keeps piling up, piling up and piling up. Yeah. Sorry about that. Not surprised. And, and of course, we talked about this last week or the week before, how Americans are offsetting 
their increases in spending with loans and credit cards. And now they're not getting those either. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the other, the other thing, the other thing is, um, sales of existing housing is down 16%, 16.6% in the last quarter or month, I guess, last month. It's it. There's a bunch of, there's a bunch of warning, warning signs out there. Oh yes. But, uh, you know, now all the predictors of our economy are saying that Powell's being brilliant and softening this recession and it's actually not going to happen and all that other good stuff. We're so. going to find out here, right? Um, you know, I was kind of, I'm kind of surprised that didn't come up last night, right? Everyone talked about doc, you know, not everybody. Um, <laughs> did, did, well, we'll, we'll have a segment on that on the, on last night. Okay. Uh, let's call it last night. Yeah. Uh, be, between the counter programming and, and, and whatnot. So, um, look, Biden botched this Maui thing and even the media can't, completely suppress it uh first of all he said no comment which you know kind of reminisces back to brownie doing a heck of a job i know dave Locke's not gonna be happy i brought up brownie but um his he's like he had a kitchen fire dude yeah he brings this story up all the time and it's so inappropriate like Hundreds of people are dead. Yeah. The place was leveled to the ground. And he spent a good minute and 50 seconds talking about a, a small little. Oh, and by the way, he got the call while he was doing Meet the Press, but somehow was able to watch the brave firefighters. That's pretty impressive. He's an impressive guy. Look, I don't That's know. That's really impressive. I, I don't know how to say this the right way, so I'm just going to say it. Um, his fundamental, everybody's fundamentally something, right? I'm fundamentally lazy. Um, you know, um, <laughs> man, you, I you am know. a fundamental procrastinator. Yeah, yeah okay. You're awful. okay. Fair. You're fundamentally a procrastinator. So bad. Joe it's Biden. So bad. President Biden is fundamentally a United States senator. And what that means is, is that. <laughs> Everything, everything is about him. Oh man! And tell it, you what, you know. Oh, there's a fire. Let me tell you a story about a fire. You know, it it it's just okay. Whatever. You know, they're all the same. It doesn't matter. Republican, Democrat, communist, old, young, always the same. It's always about them. Well, he's always pretty awful. That's my that's my assessment. That wasn't even really the creepiest moment. I didn't play this one, but at one point he brought up uh, the car accident the, where his wife and young daughter died. Yeah. And like it surreal, like Jill standing there, his wife standing there. It's totally inappropriate. And then like the creepy factor on top was just, it was just bizarre i mean it was absolutely bizarre and then he went back to tahoe to stay uh to continue his vacation so the image and the optics of this are just not good not good at all it, it's better perhaps that he didn't go to a, ohio for the derailment yes like, i think i think that that's the lesson here oh by the way question for you Whose house did Biden stay when he was in Lake Tahoe? Got me. 
Here's a blast from the past. Old Tom Steyer. Really? Yeah. Oh, good. Good, good, yeah, good. Paid, he, White House says he paid fair market value, however. Sure. Uh, for the rental of Tom Steyer's. I'm glad. Luxury vacation home in Tahoe, the climate warrior that he is. I was going to say Mr. Carbon Footprint. So, all right. Uh, this is a beast at our door. This is the Republican Democratic Party and the Republican Party pretty much summed up in two expressions. Everything is about climate change. It's ravaging our world. We need to do everything possible to pr can stop producing fossil fuels of any variety. And climate change is a hoax that's where we're at so if there is a if there isn't a sign a bigger sign that this is no longer an issue other than a political issue i don't know what is because that's where we are so yeah that was jay Inslee, right yeah that was uh governor in governor green jeans in washington state jay. jay jay i mean it's just such nonsense but he just i i'd love the guy he stays on he stays on message yeah, you know, Governor Inslee, Congressman Inslee, Jay Inslee, is a testament to the power of athletics in American um, politics. The, the reason why he's the governor of Washington is because he was on a state championship basketball team and on a state championship football team. And to this day, everybody comes up to him and says, hey, you remember back in the day? I get the feeling if Jay was just another schnook, like he would be working as an insurance salesman somewhere. Anyway. Um, so everything's on fire, Tom. <laughs> uh so Tom, the, wait a minute. I just have to say one thing real quick. There won't be yeah. enough there won't be enough fire trucks. It, that's true. There that won't be true. to save us. There just won't be. We're all gonna burn <laughs> to death, all of us. Everything. But <laughs> you know, God made people and then firefighters after that or something i don't know so. god, god made men and firefighters and then he made some firefighters <laughs> <laughs> oh i actually want to uh, let's get into announcements i actually yeah please uh, uh, i want to i want to thank the firefighters uh who uh rescue everybody uh from those terrible fires especially the terrible fire that joe biden yeah witnessed from the, the Joe, simultaneously from Washington DC and his Connecticut home. Joe Joe Biden's, right. Joe Biden's terrible kitchen fire. Uh my condolences to Congressman Derek Van Orden. Yes. Uh, he announced recently that they lost their their daughter who was married with children to cancer. So uh mm -hmm. we're praying for the Van Orden family. And then I want to wish my sister a happy birthday. She is going to I'm not going to give her age, but she is turning around another year around next week uh, before we record. So happy birthday, Pyle. I'm not sure where you are in the world these days. You're always out and about and traveling, but uh, hopefully we can catch up. Those are my announcements. Um, I too want to say happy birthday to your sister. Um, but I'm not going to say the rest of what I want to say because it's too snotty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else? Uh, what it, what, what is, is late August, right? Yes. No, literally. 24th. No, I have nothing else. Everyone I know is like living their normal lives and going like on vacation. What announcements could there be? That's fine with me. We don't have to do that. We can go right into this day in history. And let me tell you no. the contrast oh, boy. from last week where there was absolutely nothing of consequence that happened to today. 
is night and day one and two. This is the first, I think this is a first in unregulated podcast recording history. Yeah. I believe we've gotten this day in history once because everything I researched looked awfully familiar. familiar. So Hmm. that will help you hopefully do a recall here. Doubtful. So on this day. Yeah. In the year 79 BC. In the year 79 BC. And this day, Mount Vesuvius erupted. Boom. And completely leveled. Pompeii. Pompeii. And Herculaneum. Herculaneum, yeah. And we we recalled um, uh, uh, last time we brought this up that I made the comment about being very sad for the residents of Pompeii, but very happy that they brought us the San Marzano tomatoes. Yes, I remember this now. (laughs) It's ridiculous. All right, here's another one. In 410. Rome was sacked. Rome was sacked. Boom. You're two for two, man. It's the only thing that happened Uh, in 410. (laughs) Rome was Alaric, Alaric. chief of the Visigoths, led an army to Rome. An event that symbolizes the fall of the Western Roman Empire. And here, let's fast forward to 1814. That's kind of some sloppy history there around Alaric, but I'll let let everybody have it. Uh, 1814, uh, Washington was burnt to the ground. Yes, sir. During the War of 1812, British forces captured Washington, D.C. and burned various government buildings, notably the Capitol and the Executive Mansion, now known as the White House. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to use this as an opportunity to remind you that the British, whatever else you might hear, are not our friends. That's all. Okay. And in 2006, this also happened. And it was a jip. It was a ripoff. 2006, this happened and it was a ripoff. Oh, I can't can't think of it. In Prague, on this day in 2006, the International Astronomical Union voted to demote Pluto (laughs) from the ninth planet from the sun (laughs) to a mere dwarf planet. The scientific reclassification has had a worldwide cultural impact, as suggested by the American Dialect Society's choice of Plutoed as 2006's word of the year, meaning to demote or devalue someone or something. I, I Okay. First off, I think it prefers to be called a little planet rather than a dwarf planet, but okay. I, I am still mad about this. To this day, I'm still mad. And then lastly, and it's just worth mentioning, uh, this uh, in 2011. This was the day that Steve Jobs resigned as a- CEO of Apple, uh, and uh, didn't make it much longer. About two months later, he passed away. Uh, so this day is uh, also the day that uh, Steve Jobs gave Apple to a horrible person <laughs> to run. So that's my take on it. What's his name? Tim Apple. Tim Cook. Tim, Tim Cook. Tim, Tim Apple. Apple. <laughs> sorry that's funny you remember that one focus group where we were trying to figure out like who the most transformative person was sort of you know yes he comes up on the list i think i think Steve he came Jobs. up i think he was mentioned a couple of times yeah, definitely uh 
pretty pretty big big deal. All right. Um, the debate. Who's the winner? Who's the loser? Who's leaving the stage? Give me your take. Who cares? Did you watch? Yeah, I did. Uh, and I wrote it. We both watched so that our listeners hopefully didn't have to. I, I actually I wrote a column. <laughs> I wrote a column that I turned in a week ago about the debate that basically said it did matter. It's a two man race. It's going to be a two man race. Um, who won? I don't know. Uh, I, I, I mean, this is cliche, but I think Trump won because no one really yeah, made the case that they're, they all essentially agreed that they would support him indicted or not yeah. convicted. Or not. So, yeah. And, and you know, it was weird. Vivek is really just Trump. Like basically he was sort of the Trump of the debate. Right. So that was my take on, on Vivek. He, he did it fine. He's a, um, he's a child, Tom. He did fine. But he's a that's child. Where the role he played was the Trump guy because he kept getting into every conversation and he kept like sort of, you know, throwing barbs and whatnot. So yeah, like I said, uh, he, it wasn't really structured in a way to to clear the. You know, no, I mean maybe. I don't know. I, I don't think that anyone really. I don't. I, I think it was inconsequential. Let's put it that way. There was no movement made by anybody. That's my take. On agree, it. agree, so. agree, agree. And I think I think we said that last week. And I know, I know. I wrote a column off it because it was like I, th I thought about. It. I'm like, yep, that's great insight, right? That it doesn't really matter, and this doesn't really matter. And the only thing I thought about, I thought I had two clear thoughts about it. One, I thought, you know, Vivek. And I'm not calling him Vivek, right? Because you know what? You don't get to decide what English um, letters sound like. Well, Indian in the Indian language, all the words are pretty phonetic. So. I don't care. This is America. I'm just saying. We're speaking American. It's phonetic. It, so. It, so it's Vivek. V-I-V-E-K okay. is Vivek. And right. Ramishwamy. Anyway, Vivek Ramishwamy. <laughs> you get the – it's not a chicken shawarma. It's a shawarma. Dude. It's a Ramishwamy. Um, it's not a chicken shawarma. It is to me. It's not a Ramishwarma. Ramishwamy. Um, you know, I mean, I, I kind of I dig the guy, but here's the problem. He, he walked himself into a minefield he's going to have trouble walking out of because the next question he's going to get to be from the press is, hey, you said everybody was bought and paid for. Can you identify which one of these people was bought and paid for? He's going to have to actually name a name, right? And then somebody in the press is going to say, okay, how do you know? Well, I mean, he's not – I don't think he's bankrolling this whole thing himself either. That's just my point. He's he's basically right? he's basically walked himself into a bad spot, yeah. and I don't think he's thought about it. It he, he is a lot like – he is a lot like the former president. There's a lot of talk about all the stuff we're going to do, and you're just like – like you got to say, hey, we're going to abolish the NRC, a goal with which I completely agree. I 100 percent will probably show up in our – transition plans in the future i hope so, so. but let, you know let's let, i mean he had clear clear has no idea how to make it happen right i mean he's, hey, we're just gonna do it i'm like really are we gonna vote on we're it? gonna build a wall and mexico is gonna pay for it I, exactly you're just like okay i just whatever so anyway that was one thought right that that you know we we have ourselves another overgrown child on the debate stage and then the other thing i thought was the Fox moderators did a terrible job. Those were some of the worst questions I've ever heard. I, I completely agree, especially the one that was bought and paid for by Benji Backer, which backfired big time. And I don't think they should be doing that anymore. The that kid was basically they he 
they bragged about how they paid for that question it, it, on climate. Well, I assume the question. Yeah, I assume they did because they it was, bragged about how they paid for that question. It was very bizarre. Yeah, it, it was. They didn't get the answer they were looking for. That's for sure. Well, it was also totally so. inaccurate, right? That that it, it started off with a completely inaccurate statement on the part of that kid Diaz, right? He said, "Hey." You know, climate change is the most important issue among young people. That's a lie. That's inaccurate. That's not true. Yeah. So that's right. anyway, and and I did like the way Vivek, you know, Vivek, Ramishwamy, Ramishwamy, Mr. Ramishwamy. I lo- I like the way he smacked it down. I, I kind of and I like the way DeSantis opened up. Like I'm not raising my hand. I'm not an effing child. Okay. We're not doing. But this. he did end up raising his hand, and that was his I worst know. moment. I know in the debate because he just basically went back. I know. That's what I don't get. I'm like, dude, you had the right answer. Just just go with the right answer. Right. Uh, it you it know, was the same with Ukraine. The right answer the, is no. Just stick with it. With the question about Trump supporting Trump, he literally looked around. I know. It was really bad optics. I know. I know. The guy who's sort of projecting himself the, as there were three, the leader who, who executes but is not a politician. You know, right? there, there were three easy answers. Three easy answers. One was, yeah, I'm not playing this climate change game. Um, the other was like, yeah, you know what? I'm not playing the I'm not playing the the Trump game. And then the the last one was, I'm not playing the Ukraine game. Easy answers. You know, he hesitated on each of the three. I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah, I don't think it ultimately, uh, you know, is gonna no burn him down. But he's got he can't he doesn't have a lot of like for you know where's your start where he's getting a, he's getting a lot of chances to the, sort of the runway spark thing the, right. We're starting to run out of runway. Right, exactly. You said it much more better, much more better than me. Uh, okay, so a couple of highlights. The quote that I liked from uh, Vivek was drill, frack, burn coal, and build nuclear. <laughs> he just went right into it. So I thought that was cool. Uh, I give I give props to the Doug Burgum uh, because that warrior, he yeah. broke his ankle, but he still stood up there for 90 minutes so he can get his four minutes in. Uh, and, you know, his whole thing is this is all this is all dumb. We need to be talking about China which he's got a point. Uh, Pence did Pence, classic Pence. Every answer was well scripted and well rehearsed. And he's sort of taking the, in my opinion, he's sort of taking the moral, I'm the moral guy here, right? Like, you know, he's taking, sort of trying to outpace everyone on the big social and moral issues. I I just don't see a path for, for the vice president though. I mean, he did get some good jabs in. Clearly, he thinks Vivek's kind of a punk. Um, uh, he leaned into that life issue hard. And um, Asa? Who cares? What's he doing, man? I, you know, what do you mean? What's he nice doing? Nice guy, but come on. Just, hey, come on, come on. Look, come on. Hey, I understand president, I understand vice president, whatever. Um, Pence, right? Um, he... Um, He's not running for president. He is running to um he's running for his his legacy. Right? That that became obvious. You know, whenever Yeah, I think that makes good sense. You know the, the way he the way he put he he said everything he wanted to say on that stage. That's right. And you know, he and when he for when, him. I yeah, agree with that. Yeah, and when good. he and when he drops out of the race after New Hampshire, everyone will be like, Okay, you know, at least he 
He ran a principled race and blah, 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 blah. That's why he's running. Okay, so Tim Scott, I mean, still likable, good guy, didn't 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 throw any punches. Is he running for VP or is that is that kind of I assume that's exactly he's either running for VP, he's running twenty twenty eight, right? Yeah. And then um Haley, I mean Haley did okay, but uh she she had a couple of weird moments and and also I that button was really distracting to me. It just kept she had this weird button on her shirt and it was just like what it just it was weird. So, I don't know. That's that's anyway, that's, my, that's my take on the debates. And then of course you had the counter programming with President Trump uh doing a Tucker interview. I think he's got I don't know 170 million hits on it or something of that nature. Uh, I didn't watch. Our producer did listen uh and he thought it was funny uh good comedy but producer what did you listen mike i did trump no i did not yeah. Mr. so, Mr. so fill us in producer what, what what was the what was the gist uh, a lot of one-liners from trump usual stuff and uh i would say not a lot of actual content about what you're gonna <laughs> look forward to from another trump presidency so so a, a a nice fireside chat with tucker carlson basically yeah. with, the, right. with the usual garden variety amount of craziness so yeah all right uh should we move on or should there any more on this now, what more could there be on this <laughs> yeah i have one other thing right. i have one other thing to say that i thought was weird um all of them wore red ties and blue suits I noticed there was a lot of red ties, but I didn't notice they were all red. I mean, like, so. yeah, they were all red ties and blue suits. I'm like, is this what we've come to in this country? We have a bunch of grown men who, like, don't trust themselves enough to decide what suit to wear, that they're going to let all their TV consultants say, dark blue suit, red tie. I'm like, dude, I'm going to vote for, I'm going to vote for the, the first guy who wears an orange tie to one of these things or a green tie or anything other than a damn red tie. Fair enough. All right. Well, there's your there's your analysis of the first Republican debate of the 2024 election primary season uh, starring everyone except the guy who is 65 points ahead of everybody. else. Seriously, by the way, by the way, Donald Trump's the best president of the 21st century. Yeah, that was I'm like maybe maybe you should get some knee pads there, Vivek. Yeah, Come on, man. Yeah, he jumped the he jumped the Trump shark on that one for sure. All right. So speaking of President Trump, mugshot day. I guess he's heading to Georgia. Has he is he already there? I don't know. I don't know uh, either. I've been, I've been here. All the other mugshots look all the other mug mug shots of everybody else look pretty bad except for Jenna Ellis, who smiled in hers, which I thought, yes, that's the correct answer. You want to smile. Yeah, these guys are uh, really playing it up for the for the crowd here, the the prosecutors in Georgia. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this. We, we talked about it a little bit last week, but I did in my research come across this clip from America's mayor. And I wanted to play it because it sounds awfully familiar to something uh, that we've, that we talked about already. Here it is. Uh, to Georgia. And I'm feeling very, very good about it because I feel like I'm defending the rights of all Americans as I did so many times as a United States attorney. People, people like to say I'm different. I'm the same Rudy Giuliani that took down the mafia, that made New York City the 
the safest city in America, reduced crime more than any mayor in the history of any city, anywhere. And I'm fighting for justice. I have been from the first moment. I represented Donald Trump, an innocent man, who has now been proven innocent several times. I don't know how many times he has to be proven innocent. And they have to be proven to be liars, actually enemies of our republic, who are destroying rights, sacred rights. They're destroying my right to counsel, my right to be a lawyer. They're destroying his right to counsel. It's not accidental that they've indicted all his lawyers. Never heard of that before in America. All the lawyers indicted. Now, whether you dislike or you like Donald Trump, let me give you a warning. They're going to come for you. When the political winds shift, as they always do, let us pray that Republicans are more honest, more trustworthy, and more American than these people in charge of this government. Because if our government is conducted this way, and the system of justice is politicized and criminalized for politics, your rights are in jeopardy and your children's. Donald Trump told you this. They weren't just coming for him. Or me. So, uh, you know, Rudy sort of has lost it recently. He kind of alluded to it in this clip, but this was a moment, a good moment for Rudy Giuliani. It was very succinctly described what's going on here. Thoughts? That is uncharacteristically lucid. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly what we, we've been talking about with the, all of this stuff. Yeah. Right. It, it, you know, it's, 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 and, and the thing that struck me was the, the comment about the indicting all the lawyers. Yeah. I mean, these guys all were lawyers. Our lawyers, right? It Right. But 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 he's right. I mean, this is exceptionally unusual. Yeah, it's Banana regard, Republic. It's, right? been, it's Banana Republic stuff, right? I uh, mean, I don't know how the uh, – I don't know how the – the, the legal system isn't really enraged about this, like in, in, a, in the general sense. The legal system has become thoroughly politicized. Like everything else, the legal system has become politicized. And, you know, here's the bottom line. When stuff becomes politicized, that, you know, you eventually wind up on a pretty short course to tribalism. So, uh, you know, whether you like or dislike Donald Trump, it's going to come for you when the political winds shift, as they always do. Uh, anything else on the Georgia stuff? I can't imagine anything else I could possibly say about Georgia except I expect no one to be convicted of anything. I have another Georgia-related story that you're going to love. This is from CBS News yeah. on the 22nd of August. Atlanta-based Morris Brown College says they are reinstating COVID mask mandates. Yeah, I saw that. For the next two weeks as a result of positive cases at the Atlanta University Center. Recent information from the Centers for Disease Control indicates that a new COVID variant has become more prevalent across Georgia with a rise in hospitalizations of up to 30% across the state. We, We know now... With this heat wave, so many people have been driven indoors when we're usually outdoors. We're also traveling a lot during the summer, so we're carrying the virus from one group to the next. X, the artist formerly known as Twitter, is a flutter. 
with conspiracy theories about how they're going to bring COVID back in time for the election. Of course. Thanks. What do you think? Truth? Not truth. I can't believe. I, I can't imagine how it would get done, but I, you know, I don't, I don't underestimate the capacity of the federal government. So it, and, and, you know, Mask I don't. Mandates I, are back. Yeah. Even though it has already like the, 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 the mask the, thing. It's crazy. It's insane. Although I have been noticing an uptick in people wearing masks in public. Well, there you go. There you go. Yeah. So. Um, Brits don't like cameras, Mike. What do you mean? Brits apparently don't like cameras. This is from BBC. The B. More than 300 cameras damaged or stolen in four months. More than 300 cameras installed for London's ultra low emission zone were vandalized or stolen between <laughs> April and mid August, the BBC reveals. Over four months, the Met received 339 reports of camera cables being damaged or cameras being stolen or obscured. The actual number of cameras affected is likely to be even higher, as one can report, uh, one report can represent multiple cameras. Some 1,900 cameras have been installed in outer London so far. Despite so much damage being caused, one man has only one man has been charged by police. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, I, you know, I mean, the British are already the most surveilled state on the planet. I'm, I'm kind of surprised they, they draw the line at this. This is what they draw the line at. You know, you can't can't take your car into London or whatever. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. Have you ever been to London? I ha I have been to London twice and it's kind oh. of a long time ago. And then more recently going on four or five years ago. And the, a long time ago was a much better experience. Uh, the, it, the, tr like the traffic in London is abysmal. It's horrible. It was like impossible to get around the last time I was there. And you know, that funky, Building that looks like an egg, yeah. Over by the Tower of London, yeah. It's completely obscured now. Like they've 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 built so much big high high like you know uh, structures and buildings and stuff like that that they kind of crowded the the what do you, the landscape a little bit. So, anyways, UKers do not like these low emission vehicle cameras. Apparently, good big them. government. Good for them, but but they still curtsy to the king, right? Yeah, that's not okay. Just time. just checking. Just just, checked, just yeah. want to make sure this whole freedom thing didn't get didn't get to get out of hand. All right. Well, speaking of Big Brother, uh, this was our producer shared this with me. I thought I'd bring it up. Wall Street Journal: Big Brother and the Digital Dollar. President Biden signed an executive order last year urging government agencies to research a potential central bank digital currency. Uh, CBDs. DCs are a despotic innovation of the sort that have besieged us during the past five years. Lockdowns, mask and vaccination mandates, anti-racism policies, Green New Deals, and projects to suppress information, and so on. Opponents of tyranny have long understood how governments abuse the money supply to finance their spending, but the role that transaction-based information would play in tyranny doesn't show up in the dystopian fiction of Aldous Huxley and George Orwell or the earnest warnings of Alexis de Tocqueville Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. I'm sorry. Who wrote this? Uh, Dan Klein. I think Dan Klein. 
Dan Klein. Yeah. Who the hell's Dan? So, anyways, George Mason. George Mason, econ professor, Dan Klein, who obviously is a little overheated. So anyway, they brought up the fact that the Canadian truckers, he brought up the fact that the Canadian truckers were, were their wrong. bank accounts were locked down Yeah, during the trucker protests. And of course, China is doing uh, all of this, uh, all this social currency stuff, right? So, uh, so what do you think about this stuff? Are you worried about it? No. Tell me why not. Um, are they coming for my guns? Not yet. Well, they, you know, same the same crew wants your guns. Are they but... making it illegal to transact business in cash? Mm, maybe. No. Maybe that's the next step. I no. don't know. No. So I'm not worried about it. What I am worried about is stores that don't accept cash. Well, already airplanes don't accept cash. Yeah, I worry about I worry about places that don't accept cash because right there on the money, literally right there on the money, I'll, I'll read it to you. I'll take out a dollar bill. Uh, legal the, tender. This note is legal tender for all debts, public and private. Um, if you're a if you're a company and you don't accept cash, you're in violation of the law. I think. I think. And you know, so I guess what I'm saying is, is if you really want to preserve cash in society, stop worrying about the government. Start worrying about the private sector crossing cash off the list. That's a good point. I'll I know. That. I know. That's why they pay Look me the you, big man. money. Yeah. Yeah. Look at you. Well, they're paying someone else the big money. And by the way, the other thing is it, this digital currency crowd, part of the problem is they, you know, they, they do tend to talk in stews, right? All the mask mandate and guns and you know, New Deal and ESG and blah blah blah, and you're like, dude, this literally just just if you have a beef with something, just explain why you have a beef with something. Don't just refer to a lot of other beefs you have. Well, I do think that uh, I would not like government to be directly in involved in in being able to peer into my transactions. I think that's yes. Agreed. Probably the biggest con biggest concern I have. I'd rather them at least have to take one or two steps, like, like get a beg, beg Visa to send me the list, or like get so, a, get a court order or something. Yes, yeah, agreed. That would be good. Agreed. So, anyways, as I was saying, big money, big losers. Uh, I won't dwell, so our listeners don't cringe. But I do want to bring up the fact that the Yankees had a nine-game losing streak up until last night. And it was the longest losing streak. The last time they lost nine games was 41 40, years ago. 41 years ago. They are currently 61 and 65. They slid much closer to having the worst record in the American League East and the American League than they had, than they did to creep up and try to get a wild card spot. And now they are less than a percentage away. Wow. From being eliminated. Yeah, a week ago, a week ago, um, manager Boone said, "Hey, a lot of season left." And now, now that <laughs> just, now that they seems, wiped it out completely. Now that seems okay. more like a threat and an ugly, ugly promise than any kind of like, you know, hope to hopeful or optimistic thing. Here's here's another uh, factoid for you. You probably aren't aware of this, uh, uh, but there was. A gentleman named Rick Hahn, who was relieved of his GM duties at the Chicago White Sox. Okay. Which means that there's only one American League GM job that hasn't changed hands 
since 2012. No oh boy. And this guy hasn't, and that per- person also hasn't changed hands since 1998. We should probably get a bet down as to whether the Yankees are going to fire Cashman. I, all right, you know what? I already lost. I the... know what I want them to do, right, but I... I don't know that I want to take that bet. All right, I already lost. Mm-hmm. I lost the bet on the debate, so I already, I already owe you a hamburger. So let's double or nothing it on Cashman, and I'll here's the bet I'll make. All right, I'll... I got you. By the way, for those of you who don't know, Brian Cashman is the general manager of the Yankees, incredibly failed general manager of the Yankees, um, has been for twenty five odd years. Um, I'll bet you that they will not fire him. Um, prior to November 1st. But he will be fired. Well, I don't know if he'll be fired. I just, I got to put some well, kind of bet is, I just got to put still be the GM by November 1st. Yeah. I'm, when we wake up on November 1st, he'll still be the GM. You're going to bet that. Okay. Uh, I'll take it. Why okay. Not? Why not? Okay. I bet that they'll fire him. Um, the week after the season, after the season's over, yeah. So like October tenth, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and that's more that's more of a heart bet than a head bet. No, I get it. I'll I get, take it. I get it. So. Yeah. All right. So I want to. This is the bright bulb of the week. Uh, the star. Yeah. Uh, in my eyes, uh, this is from golf. WRX.com and my brother Josh brought it up, sent it over to me. What a bunch of idiots! LPGA star sounds off on oil protesters at a women's open. Yeah, I saw this. <laughs> did you see this? I did. I did. <laughs> During the final round of the AIG Women's Open, an oil protest group ran on the 17th green with red and yellow streams of smoke. Play had to stop temporarily, and the offenders were arrested. Here's her quote. I suffer from asthma, but didn't have my inhaler on me, and that stuff was really thick. So no, it was not nice. Wasn't scared when it happened. Just thought they were idiots. Someone said they were protesting about oil, but how did they get here today? Drove, probably. (laughs) And then her caddy said, there were about three of them, I think, but it was ineffective. The police were quick, and they were gone in 60 seconds. Charlie, her name is uh, Charlie, hold on. Charlie Hull, yeah. Charlie took the smoke into her lungs and it wasn't pleasant for her. Thank God their pathetic actions didn't affect the result. Hull had to settle for a second place finish and uh, complimented the winner, Lilia Vu, on her performance. Lilia was unbelievable, really. And I just didn't feel like I got a break, to be fair. So good on you, 28-year-old woman professional golfer I, i've said it before i'll say it again uh they are helping our case yeah. these protesters they're really just making regular people who don't really you know care 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 like, but not in a good way to, yeah. you know yeah exactly it's so, a it's a it's a it seems counterproductive but yeah, okay yeah all right um where am i here in my list oh i got one a couple on evs but but i want to talk about Actually, I got one on on cars, not cars generally. Wall Street Journal. This was uh, yesterday. Car prices might be unsustainable for buyers. Surging loan delinquencies, which we played a clip earlier, signal that many consumers can't afford their auto loans. 
Five years ago, there were a dozen models of new cars that sold for less than 20K. In 2023, there was one, the Spartan Mitsubishi, Mitsubishi Mirage hatchback, which accounted for about 5,300 of the 7.7 new vehicles sold in the U.S. in the first half of the year. If you're willing to spend more than $100,000, you can choose from 32 models. Wow. For average Americans paying off a uh, new car at current prices demands 42 weeks of income, according to data from Cox Automotive, up from 33 before the pandemic. The And here's the, here's the money quote. GM said that last month, the average price paid by its buyers rose 3% quarter over quarter to $52,000. Mm-hmm. And today's average new car loan has a monthly payment north of $750 with an interest rate of 9.5%. And for used cars, the average rate is above 13.7%. So, yeah. Yeah, that what concerned me about all those numbers, not anything you just read, was a number you didn't read, which is the average price of a used car is now twenty nine thousand bucks. Now we're yeah. it it it's it's starting to get a little hairy. You know, the the automakers are starting to produce luxury products, not not middle of the road consumer products. Pretty soon they'll just be making EVs. <laughs> Oh, wait, those are more expensive. Shut up. All right. Uh, I got one more. Traders in CO2 credits straddled with vast stranded asset pile. This is uh, from Bloomberg. Millions of carbon credits lie dormant on the on traders' accounts. Trifigura Group, the world's largest trader of carbon removal credits, has suspended a consignment as it awaits the results of a probe into the forestry project behind the units. The situation has led the company to replace the offsets in a contract with a corporate client and instead keep the stranded credits on its own books. Hannah Human, global head of carbon trading at Trifigura and a former oil trader, says the complete loss of value seen in some corners of the voluntary carbon market is unlike anything she's witnessed in oil markets. Gee, I wonder why. Seriously. It's going to be the greatest. Uh, for this those is going to be the greatest 20 years of our lives. I don't want it to be. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to be doing this for Go 20 ahead. years, man. Go ahead. So a carbon credit is a paper security representing one ton of CO2 reduced or removed from the atmosphere generated by projects like wind farms or planting trees. Buyers can trade the units or use them to offset their own emissions, in which case they must retire the credit to avoid it being used twice. Yeah. It sounds legit to me, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it, you know, it, it, the, the environmentalists are not big fans of these things. They, they, they figured out down 20 years ago that the potential for, um, dodginess was high well i mean look we we have a clear track record of the government creating and this all actually i think this all started with didn't this start with boyd and gray and the and the yes sir yes sir and the what was that the issue back then 
acid rain. Yeah, the acid rain thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The the difference with the acid rain trading program is it was a fairly small group of um, entities who traded credits among each other in a very tight geographical location, the United States, right? You know, there were a hundred guys. Yeah, it was a point source issue. Yeah, I was going to say there were a hundred utilities who who did it, like I said, in the United States. The carbon credit stuff is, you know, could be millions of entities across the planet all living under different legal systems. And what could possibly go wrong with no, by the way. That's why we need a one world government. uh, And we're... (laughs) I mean, come on, get with the program. Because because if, if we just do this, because we're just all living under Klaus Schwab and uh, what's his name, the Tedros and all the the world this and the world that's, then we'll be fine because everyone will just yeah comply. Yeah, because because so, because the government we got is so good so far. Let's expand. So, it. so there are so many things about this that are reminiscent of the ethanol program here in the United States where there are scores and scores of articles about the, the fraud that goes on with, with RINs. Yeah. And then you've got all these other programs uh, that the government has created, the green, the IRA, the greatest climate piece of legislation in the history of the world. We're already, got, we already have one equivalent of Solyndra. What was it? What's the name of that battery company that, uh, just went under that wasn't uh secretary jenny a a shareholder yeah that's the bus company proterra oh yeah so there's one already and then you got these these credit you know the airlines do it too one airline i think delta is getting sued for false falsely claiming that they're emission free with all their credits and everything no i didn't know that good there there's can i participate in these these credit programs like there's no there's no guarantee that they're doing anything other than just selling pieces of paper. Of course not. Why would there be? They're government- and, and why aren't we doing it? Like, why are we doing this podcast? And why yeah, don't we seriously. have a credit trading program? Seriously, we should. We so. should, in fact, set it up. And look, it's like every other government program. It's not their money, so they don't really worry too much about taking care of it, right? They just like, yeah, sure, do your thing. Who cares? And the credit thing is just the same way. It's a regulatory system. And they're like, eh, whatever. As long as it's good for you, we're okay. <sighs> All right. So we're heading into the, the last week of August. And then we've got Labor Day. And the boys are back in town. The boys and gals are going to be back in town. Let's let's give a, a quick prediction on how September is going to go with the budget stuff. I'll let you start. I I don't know. I think what's going to happen is the Senate's going to come up with a a little get me over and we'll have like a 75 day continuing resolution kind of thing. And then we'll have this fight in December. But I. Oh, wait, wait. Isn't that what always happens? Yeah, exactly. But but the, the, the thing this time that might be different, we may have a short shutdown in October. Yeah, you know, we 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 may HFC guys are are sending us in that direction. Yeah, we may have a situation where we have five or six days, you know, where where we we wind up shutting down in in October because people, like you say, the the House Freedom Caucus guys are like, we're not playing along anymore. We want to force this thing right now. I don't. 
I, I think that's no no worse than a 50-50, but it's probably also no better than a 50-50. But yeah, at the end of the day, we're going to do an omnibus. The other thing that's going to be different about an omnibus here is it could go into next year. We might not get it till April or um, April, January or February. So, um, you know, it for the... You know, for the Republicans, you should be happy with a continuing resolution. For the Democrats, of course, they're going to want an omnibus because they're going to increase spending. And that supplemental is still hanging out there, right? Yeah. Wait, and wait, now that what's they, it up to now? We're supposed to give well, a weekly update on it's, it. It's, just a, it's still at 40, but now that we got Hawaii sitting out there, they have approximate excuse for the emergency supplemental, right? So, you know, probably about... I don't know the real the real thing in Hawaii. The real number in Hawaii is probably like eight, ten, twelve billion dollars. So they'll they'll pull like thirty billion in there for Hawaii, and you know <laughs> the markup from it needs it needs to be twelve. So they'll put thirty in. Well, right? I mean, you're going to have to buy a bunch of different agency stuff for that, right? You know, and everyone's going to need new helicopters over the Coast Guard. You know, that kind of shit uh, stuff's going to go on. So, um, yeah, I would think thirty billion. So we're going to be at seventy billion when they get back here. You know, after Labor Day, I would think. And but as a reminder, the debt limit deal explicitly took the supplemental off budget. Yeah. So it's but, not part of the numbers. Yeah. Which they're gonna ignore anyway. So who cares That's really? Right. That's right. Which, you know, it it's it's um this terrible racket. And truthfully, they were waiting, you know, when they when they set it up, they were just like, Hey, we'll figure out the emergency later on. And then you know, the the thing, the terrible thing that happened and why happened and provided them with approximate excuse. It's bad mojo is what it is. The good news is, is that the president's kitchen fire is also going to get taken care of in the appropriation, the emergency. So that's, that's fantastic news. Yeah, so I give the house of Republicans credit for beginning this long and will likely be equally long of a process as we're going to have to deal with all this climate stuff. Uh, to get us back to some sense of normalcy in this process. Um, but yeah, I mean, they haven't really, the, uh, how many bills have, been to, have made it to the floor? I, I don't think any of them have, have they, have they, they've all got out and out of gotten out of committee, which uh, the house, the house guys, the house, have, the house guys have passed, I think two, two on the floor. Yeah. Two. Uh, okay. The Senate guys haven't commit, haven't passed any, but they got all 12 red done and ready to go. Yeah. So anyway, um, I think we're probably, I, th I think I'll probably agree with your assessment on that. Um, it's unfortunate, but that's kind of, yeah, it is what it is. Way we are. So, yeah. yeah. All right, man. I am spent for this week. I have nothing left. What's on your list? That's it for me. I think I got everything. I have this horrible feeling I'm leaving something in the, in the ditch, but I got, I don't know. Truthfully, it's a busy day, so I'm having trouble focusing. So, at some point, the United States Department of uh, Energy is going to have to let go of an LNG permit. That's it. There we go. That's my message of the day. <laughs> All right. They've gone. They've gone 570 odd days without letting go without without releasing a non-FTA export license. It's time, ladies and gentlemen. Move on. I know I have listeners at DOE. Let's get going on this thing. Oh yeah, EPA also. Uh ratcheted back their desire to approve uh those ccs things too so yeah one last, really, really working hard for the planet yeah i do have one uh, other i do have one other thing um that there there is a there is a move afoot to impose tariffs 
based on tariffs of imported goods based on their um, amount of carbon emissions. And that oh, okay. We're talking about the uh, we're talking about the carbon border adjustment mechanism, yeah, and yeah, that the energy tax, yeah, and that would thank you, and that would um, that would require um, that would require the United States as a practical matter to have a. Price. This is Senator Republican Senator Kramer. Well, the three the three Republicans and three Republican Democrats. Senator uh, from from Louisiana, yeah, Cassidy, and Republican Senator Lisa Murkowski, correct? Correct. Um, uh, require that we have a carbon price on on our um, on the same goods if they're made in the United States. So we had a meeting about this yesterday, and I thought it was illuminating. But a friend of mine pulled me aside afterwards and said, "I didn't even know. Apparently, the Europeans are preparing to do this next year to impose these these tariffs on on what they import from us next year." And a friend of mine um, pulled me aside and said, "I didn't even know that was going on." So we need to educate everybody that that's going on. The Europeans are going to try this border adjustment mechanism first. Then they're going to try to rope us into it um, and harmonize us and, um, you know, use the American economic muscle against the Chinese and in favor of the Europeans, basically. And all the while, make people pay a carbon tax, right? Because that's the bottom line on this thing. It's a carbon tax. Um, but that's where we are. We're going to keep talking about this. That's my that's, yeah. Um, that, that, that's the thing. My walk away from this week is that I thought everybody sort of knew about this, but apparently not too many people know about this. Uh, we'll we'll definitely ramp up the yeah. the education factor uh, on it, and also I don't think that the Senate guys will hesitate to try and shove it in the omnibus. No, well. absolutely so, not. It's the big risk here, right? Because. They can't actually have an up or down vote on a carbon tax because they would get annihilated. And I think part of our education process should be to ensure that every time either of those senators is in an uh, environment where he or she is able to be asked questions that someone should bring this up. So, yeah, I agree totally. Um, I agree totally. I, I, you know, I, I would say, um, I would say we probably shouldn't let any more economists into the conversation because they're just confusing things. You know, they 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 want it. They want to show how coming smart. for your carbon, ladies and gentlemen. They're coming for your. <laughs> there's how many more ways can they take money out of your wallet the, the, these days? The, the economists so, want to. The economists want to show how smart they are about how like how cool they are about knowing all this stuff. I'm just like, it's not complicated, fellas. They want they want to um, they want to charge okay. you more. That was also uh, a, there was a Washington Post story this week about Trump's ten percent, yes, tariff on everything, yes, everything that comes into this country, unless and until they decide what countries they won't impose the tariff and what products they won't impose the tariff. So that sounds like a stable position for yeah, uh, yeah. for the economy. I, I, yeah. uh, we'll see how. <laughs> We'll see how they flesh it out. This is, uh, but again, that, that would make this carbon tax uh, look like a piker. Again, so. ladies and gentlemen, this is your weekly reminder. You shouldn't allow children to have like loaded weapons and or matches and let them run around the government because bad stuff's going to happen. It's, All right, we got to close. It's, it's, the, gotta... it's the Vivek Ramaswamy theory. Just Just give the guy enough guns and he'll be okay. All right. We've got to close 
um, from the Tucker interview. Oh, good. President Trump. And here it is. I'll play it. She speaks in uh, in rhyme. In, uh, it's weird. It's weird. But she has bad moments. And in rhyme? What do you... Well, the way she talks, the bus will go here and then the bus will go there because that's what buses do. And it's weird. The whole thing is weird. This is not a president of the United States future. Let me guess. We're talking about Vice President Harris. <laughs> <laughs> so we did not have the Vice President's words of wisdom this week, but we substituted it with a rather accurate description from former President Trump. That's the 145th episode of Unregulated in the Books. Enjoy. We'll see you all next week. <laughs> the bus goes here. The bus goes there. Namaste. Wheels on the bus go round. <laughs> Namaste. <laughs> <laughs>